Um, So the first reading is from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 to 11. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And the next reading is from John chapter 10, verses 7 to 15. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay, my, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Each year, uh, there's, a, there's a word of the year. And so looking back on 2019, what do you think might be the 2019 word of the year? Uh, have a quick word to the person next to you. See if you can think about this. Word of the year, 2019. Okay, I'd like to hear some thoughts you've got. Any ideas out there? Uh, Rhonda in the front said climate change. Uh, very, yeah, so a lot of those words were up there in the top of the list. So cri- uh, climate emergency, uh, echo crisis, all that sort of thing, yeah. Equality. E- equality? Yeah, okay, it's good. sounds like a good, no, but that wasn't the one. Sorry? Turmoil? Uh, good word, yeah. Life has been in turmoil, but no. Life. Very close, actually. Uh, let me tell you what it is. It's the word existential. Um, <laughs> How about that? Um, seriously, um, uh, it's not a new word, right? So it's been around for a long time, um, but in 2019, it started to gain usage 
on the lips of celebrities, uh, in the media, uh, and every time people would hear it on the news or on the lips of one of their celebrities, they'd go, okay, Google, what does existential mean? Uh, and uh, they'd find the answer, but uh, it's sort of one of those words that you hear people use and you go, what exactly is that word on about? Uh, so the word's used in two ways. Uh, it can be of or relating to existence or life, right? That's pretty basic, right? Existential means it's got to do with life. So um, an existential threat is, an, is a threat to our existence or our way of life. Uh, now, Greta Thunberg, during the year, spoke about this. She used the word, and all of a sudden, people were looking up uh, the meaning of the word, but she said, she talked about the existential emergency of climate change. And basically, she's saying climate change threatens our way of life. Um, even over the past few days, as I've been watching the news, I've been aware of my talk, and I've been here listening out for this word, and I've heard it a number of times. People have talked about the existential threat of the bushfire emergency, a threat to our way of life. Uh, but there is a second way. So there's a basic way this word is used, and then there's a second way, <clears throat> which existential is a philosophy that affirms our individual agency in making meaningful, authentic choices about our lives. Uh, so it's sort of like... Uh, a way of thinking where it starts with me and I've actually got to m work out what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Uh, and so often this word is used in relation to an existential crisis. Uh, I really can't work out uh, who I am, what I'm here for, or you might have heard the phrase existential angst. Now this was captured in a character from Toy Story. Any guesses which character? Character from Toy Story? Not Buzz, someone said it. Forky, let's have a look on the screen. Um, Forky, right? Um, so here is a quote from Forky. I was meant for soup, salad, maybe chili, and the trash. I'm litter. Now I haven't seen Toy Story 4, <clears throat> but I hear um, Forky is one of those plastic sporks, right? A spork, I didn't know this until I looked it up, right? But a spork, do you know what this is? It's, it's like a spoon fork. It can, go, it can sort of sub in for either one. Now, it's got a specific design because it's designed to be used once and then thrown away, right? That's the design purpose of a spork. Um, but in, this, uh, in, in Toy Story, the little girl recycles this throwaway spork uh, and he becomes her toy and sh he becomes special to her and that sends him into an existential spin uh, an existential journey to actually discover well who I, I I feel like I've been made for the trash but maybe I've been made for something more uh, who I am I what am I here for and so it's interesting the New York Times have labelled him the existential spork, right? Uh, so you can use big words, but he's just a, a fork that's trying to work out what is my life all about. So today and in coming weeks, we're going to wrestle with these questions. Uh, what's life all about? Why am I here? Who am I? And we're not going to use big words like existential, right? Well, I'll use it a couple more times today, but we're going to talk about 
life, right? What is life? What is the good life? Uh, now, there's an old Simpson episode um, where Homer decides to try fugu fish, right? He goes to a Japanese restaurant. Now, fugu fish is this, the poisonous puffer fish. And unfortunately, on the day he, he goes to the restaurant, it's only the apprentice chef who's on. And he doesn't really know how to carve up uh, a fugu fish, uh, and he sort of gets it wrong. And Homer is accidentally and fatally poisoned. Uh, and so he gets the bad news from the doctor. He only has 24 hours to live. Uh, and so then he's, he goes into this, well, I suppose, existential crisis. You know, what, what am I going to do with the last hours of my life? He says goodbye to his wife, Marge. He says goodbye to the kids. He falls asleep listening to the Bible on audio cassette because he sort of thinks maybe I need to connect with God. But you can hear him listening through the genealogies of uh, Genesis and it's a lot drifts off to sleep. You know, it doesn't really take him there. But, um, and then in the morning, he's alive. Uh, and in his joy, in his amazement, he makes a vow. And his vow is, from now on, I'm going to live every day. I'm going to live life to the fullest. I'm going to live life to the fullest. Now, what does that look like for Homer? Uh, well, have a look. There he is. Sits on the lounge, eating pork rinds, watching the baseball, right? There it is, living life to the full. Um, all right, so, um, most, so here we go. Over the years, we've been talking to a lot of people through the Central Coast uh, about what is the good life um, and how do you find the good life. And, and basically, everyone agrees that the good life is something that we want, uh, that the good life involves happiness, a sense of purpose, um, a life that makes a difference, a life of contentment and fun, and almost always people see relationships as core to the good life. Uh, but how do you get it? And what has God got to do with it? Uh, so most people like Homer have this sort of sneaking suspicion that God has something to do with the good life. Uh, but for most people, it's kind of vague and uncertain. Uh, and when you're young, um, you just cruise through life and you just assume that all of life is going to be good. Uh, well, that's how young was for me. Um, but as you get older, you realise it's, it's actually it's elusive. It's, it's, it's hard to take hold of. Just when you think you've grasped hold of the good life, it sort of slips through your fingers. Uh, and that's like the reading that Ash brought us from Ecclesiastes. Uh, look at the quote on the screen. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Th these are the words written by King Solomon 3,000 years ago. King Solomon was wise. Um, he was very wealthy. And he went on in this pursuit of the good life, of finding meaning and joy and hope and so on. He pursued the meaning of life through money, power, possessions, sex, alcohol, success. And this was his conclusion. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. In fact, the word that he kept using was a Hebrew word, chevel. Right? And he used it again and again. And it's a word that 
is not captured, I, I don't think, by the word meaningless. It's a word that means like vapour or mist. And it captures the idea that it's transitory. Um, and, you know, and so he keeps on using this phrase, chasing after the wind. And it's like there, you feel like you've got the good life in your grasp, but then it just slips through your fingers like a mist, uh, like vapour. Um, all the things that bring us joy, when they become the focus, when we pursue them as somehow ultimate, they fail to deliver. They, they promise so much, but it kind of fail to deliver. Uh, so let me give you a few quotes of uh, famous people. So this is uh, actor Jim Carrey. Someone said to me this week, you know, I've realised who you are. You are Jim Carrey. And I was thinking, well, and anyway, that's what they said. I, I hope that was a compliment. Uh, all right. So fa- famous actor Jim Carrey once said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do whatever they ever dreamed so that they can see it's not the answer. Wow. Because right, that's his experience. I have all those things, fame, wealth, do everything I dreamed of, but it's not the answer. Uh, we constantly see these celebrities and heroes. It seems like they have it all, but it turns out they're often miserable, insecure, unhappy. And I just thought this morning, maybe that's what's going on for Meghan and Harry. You know, you just think, the royal family, you know, where, does it get any better than that? But they're sort of, I don't know, escaping to some better life. And my boyhood hero was Boris Becker. Um, I still play tennis inspired uh, by Boris Becker, but I later found out, so uh, he, he won Wimbledon very young. I later found out that at the very point he reached the top of the tennis world, he was on the brink of suicide. And you just think, what is, what is going on? And he said this, I had won Wimbledon twice before, once as the youngest player, I was rich, I had all the material possessions I needed. And it's that old song of movies and pop star, movie stars and pop stars who commit suicide. They have everything and yet they are so unhappy. I had no inner peace. I was like a puppet on a string. Uh, it's really sobering hearing that, isn't it? Uh, I reckon Jack Higgins, though this guy's a famous author, and he was once asked, later in his life, he was asked, if, if, you could, if you had have been given some advice when you were a boy, what advice would you have liked to receive? And have a look at this. His answer was, I would have liked to have known that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. And so it's like all his life he's been sort of working to this mountaintop experience and he gets to the top. You know, he's the best, you know, the best author in the world got all the fame, and he goes, but there's nothing there. Uh, it's actually not, it, it, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, when people pursue money, fame, success, popularity, as if those things are what life is all about, it's, it's, it just slips through your fingers, and it's not satisfying, it doesn't last. Um, now, over the last 60 years, we have seen the rise of existentialism. Um, and that is people who have abandoned God uh, and said, no, no, there is no God. But then 
once they've dismissed God out of the picture, they go, well, how do, where do we find meaning in a world without God? Um, and um, one of these existential philosophers, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, he was honest enough to put it like this. If God didn't exist, man is forlorn because neither within him nor without does he find anything to cling to. Uh, and what he's saying is once you remove God, uh, there is no solid rock to hold. Now, he was an atheist, convinced atheist, but he was just bringing a reality check to people who pursued atheism that once you remove God, there's nothing solid to hold on to. Um, one of Sartre's existential friends was the playwright Samuel Beckett. Uh, and I actually studied this while I was at university. So when I was at uni, I was a civil engineer, but they made us do these arty sort of courses. And one of them was 20th century theatre and um, playwrights. And so I became an expert. I actually did very well uh, in that course. Um, anyway, so this guy, Samuel Beckett, wrote a play called Breath. Uh, and what happens in this play um, was the curtain would open uh, and the stage was black, lights were dark, and then there was a single breath. And that represents a baby being born, life beginning. Uh, and then what would happen is the lights would come brighter. Uh, and then there on the stage was just a random pile of rubbish. Uh, and then that would stay in the light for a little while and then the lights would grow dimmer. Oh, they have already, yeah. The lights would grow dimmer. There is an exhaled breath. And then darkness and the curtains close. Now, how would you go if you paid money to... <laughs> you're feeling like, man... And that's what happened, right? There was actually, there was actually aggro in the crowd uh, when these players were shown because it's like you can't... You can't put that on and pay money and expect us to appreciate that. So there's a real sense of anger, annoyance, because you go to a play and you want a story. You want some sort of, you know, you want to, be, you want to leave with some hope and some sense of something bigger. And people were just, some people were leaving, you know, the arty and going, oh, that was profound. And some people were leaving just going, man, I, I'm, I want my money back. Uh, and that's the whole point Beckett was making. Without God, that's your life. Uh, pile of rubbish, random rubbish, that's in the spotlight for a brief time, and then the lights go out, and that's it. Uh, and this is from a guy who believed that in atheism. And I, I, I remember at, at uni thinking into these things, and I thought, man, atheism is just not attractive at all I just can't like once you pursue it you realize just it's it's deeply unattractive um, and and what Beckett was saying without God there is no more to life uh, and we heard the same thing in the song that Jared sang for us the John Mayer song he says something's missing but then he goes through uh, and he checks off the list right I've got friends check money check i'm getting enough sleep check i've got my guitar check i've got talent check you know when i get home there's answering machine messages on my 
phone, check. You know, so I'm, I'm not, it's not like I've been abandoned. Um, I don't know what he's got to do with those batteries, but anyway. Uh, so it's not like he's been abandoned, but still something's missing and I don't know what it is. Now, I want you to have a look at Jesus' answer. Uh, and what we're going to do is look at it today and in coming weeks. Uh, Jesus' answer is, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In a world where meaning and purpose is elusive, Jesus comes and says, I've got the answer. In me is found life, life to the full. Jesus came to reconnect us with God. Uh, and that's why we, we call this week Good News Week, because we are convinced that Jesus brings good news to a world that is searching for answers. Uh, Jesus brings life to the full, deep, rich relationships, satisfaction, a sense of my life makes a difference, life to the full. Now, when Jesus is speaking to the crowd, you'll notice you've got the, um, the passage there in your outline. When Jesus is speaking to the crowd in verse seven, he calls them sheep. So he says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Now, it's a figure of speech. It's not that he's saying they're dumb, but he's saying the crowd, people need leadership. They need good leadership. Uh, and they are aimless, a little bit lost without leadership. So he says, um, I am the gate for the sheep. Verse 8, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in, go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I want you to notice Jesus talks about thieves and robbers, kind of like con men uh, who offer stuff but cannot deliver. You know, and we're in, we're in a world where people are constantly offering us stuff, aren't, they? aren't we? Even the theme life, right? Just really quickly, what advertisers are using life, uh, an offer of life? Call it out, come on. Coke. Coke, what, what, what? If you're feeling like you're lacking in life, Coke adds life, yeah? Uh, life be in it. Wow, wow, you're going back a few decades there, sister. Uh, all right, life be in it. <coughs> Nike, um, which is? Yeah, and, but they also had a life short play hard. Is that, was that Nike as well? Okay, yeah. Um, life's good, LG. What about Mingara? What do you get from Mingara? Well, life's great at Mingara. Um, uh, And so, so many people and things are promising life, uh, to deliver on life. But Jesus says, watch out because they're sneaky. They're sneaky. Verse 8, they're thieves and robbers not to be trusted. Now, I'm not trying to have a go at Mingar at this point, but, uh, and it's Jesus that's doing it, right? But, but he's saying you've got, to, you've got to watch out that people will offer, but they won't be able to deliver. Or verse 10, Jesus says they kill and destroy. But in contrast, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see where you've got to actually test the claims, whether it's Mingara or Coke or Jesus, 
Uh, you've got to test the claims of what's being offered. Have a look at verse 28. Oh, no, you have, I'll show you on the screen. Verse 28, <clears throat> Jesus continues and he says, I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So Jesus promises life to the full, but it's not just here and now. It's not just a temporary thing. He offers life to the full in richness, relationship, meaning, purpose now, but also that will extend on into eternity. Uh, that is a big claim, isn't it? And so that's a claim that we're going to explore tonight and in coming weeks, uh, the next two weeks. I hope you can uh, keep joining us. But notice Jesus makes himself the key to gaining life. If you want life, you've actually got to come to Jesus. Verse 7, I am the gate for the sheep. And he's saying, yes, there's good pasture, but you've got to pass through the gate. If you want life to the full, you've got to come through me. Um, and he didn't say, I am a gate. You know, there's a whole lot of gates out there. He says, I am the gate. Or later on, Jesus will say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. And you look at the other religions and you think, well, Buddha claimed to be a way where we could find enlightenment. Uh, Muhammad claimed to be a prophet sent from God. Confucius claimed to, uh, you know, to be a wise man, a philosopher. But Jesus' claims were at another level entirely. Uh, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. It is a claim that is incredibly broad at one level, but incredibly narrow. Right? It's really broad because Jesus is saying for every single person on the planet, the offer is there. No matter what your language, no matter what skin color, no matter what race, what gender, what age you are, life is available to every single person on the planet. But then he goes, but it's narrow because there's only one gate. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Uh, and so if you want life to the full, you actually have to come through me, says Jesus. So the famous author, C.S. Lewis, you know, um, you know the Narnia uh, books and movies and so on. Uh, he said this, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Uh, next slide. He'd either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg or else he'd be the devil of hell. Now, so many people say, oh, Jesus was a good teacher. And C.S. Lewis is saying, no, no, that's not a category available. Uh, so either this man was the son, was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. Uh, you can't hear Jesus and go, oh, that's nice. That feels like a good advice for living because his claims are just way too outrageously big. You know, he says, I'm the gate. If you want to find life to the full, you've got to come through me. I am the way. No one comes to God the Father except through me. Um, so I want to just um, encourage you to come along tonight Come along in the next couple of weeks. Or you might have a taste from this morning and go, yeah, I'd love to do this course 
that the lakes is running in February. Uh, and the details, we've got some brochures out the back, but the details are there on, your, um, on the back of your outline. You can just tick the box. We'll even feed you, right? Because we want you to have you know, a, good, a taste of good life while you're investigating uh, what the good life is. Um, so, but I just want to point out one thing before we finish up this morning, and that is verse 11. Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And he says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is a great reversal. He dies that he might bring life to all. Uh, and what we'll, what we'll see in coming weeks is that Jesus' death is the key uh, to life. Not just life now, but life forever. Uh, now, these are big issues. And we've been sharing this good news with the kids throughout our community this week. Uh, and one of our, we've got this conviction or this saying where we say, we're not on about teaching kids little truths that they'll grow out of. We want to teach kids big truths that they can grow into. Uh, I'll say it again. You, know, you can even embroider this on your pillow or something like that. Uh, so we're not teaching kids little truths that they will grow out of. <clears throat> We're teaching them big truths that they can grow into. Uh, and because of that, these truths are not just for kids. They demand an adult investigation. If Jesus is not telling the truth, he's not a good man. He's a liar or worse. Um, but if he is telling the truth, then that changes everything. But whatever the case, you want to investigate and find out. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Uh, will you pray with me? God, our Father, our great need and desire is to experience life, life that is rich and full, meaningful, full of relationship, life that goes on. Father, please help us this morning and in coming weeks as we wrestle with these things. Father, we want, a, we want a solid hope that goes beyond mere wishful thinking. Father, we don't want to live our lives on the basis of a lie, but we want to know the truth. Father, for many of us, we are convinced <clears throat> that we have found life and truth and hope in Jesus. Uh, please help us to trust in him. Help us to keep coming to him for life. And Father, we pray for any here today who are just not sure. Uh, we pray that you'll stir in their hearts to investigate, to find out more. And Father, we pray that you will reveal to them the truth about your son. And we pray that they too may find life to the full in the Lord Jesus. Amen.